welcome to Market Savvy Conversations. My name is Megan Walker, your host. Today, our very special guest is Tori Toogood, who is a women's health physiotherapist based in North Adelaide at her own practice, Vital Core Physio. Hi, Tori. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you, Megan. (laughs) So good to have you along. Today, we're going to be talking about continence and pain from the perspective of the therapists who are listening to this conversation, other therapists, practitioners, clinicians, to empower them to have conversations with their clients when needed. Talking about difficult topics like continence, pelvic pain, and so forth. So that's sort of the context to help set it. You're going to be far better at explaining that than <laughs> me, Tori. But just start us off with your background, you know, where you studied, your experience, and if you wouldn't mind telling us a bit about your um, sporting achievements, that would be really interesting for people to know as well. Sure, sure. Well, um, I've been uh, practicing as a physio for over 20 years. Um, I am Adelaide born and bred. Um, So um, school was here, uni was here at the Uni of SA, which was the only physio course um, in Adelaide at the time. There's there's now a handful. Um, (laughs) The industry has exploded. Uh, And I've been in private practice for almost 20 years um, as well. So I have my, my own business in the eastern suburbs and We've been there for over 18 years. And our big message is that we um, help women throughout the ages. So kids and adolescents um, through uh, sporting populations into uh, pregnancy and postnatal into premenopause, menopause and beyond and keeping us strong and moving throughout our lives. Yeah, lovely. Okay. You said that the boys aren't excluded either. Um, Yeah. You just don't message so strongly to them, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) And did your sporting background, which I won't let you get away without mentioning, did that lead you into this field? Um, Well, it's interesting. I think like a lot of um, young physios and physio students, I always thought I would move into sports physio. I was a a rower. Um, I was on the national team for, for six years and uh, did divide my time between Adelaide and, and Canberra, um, travelling overseas with the team, working in the physio department at the AIS uh, when I was living there for a couple of years, uh, coming back to finish off my uni degree here and, and working in one of the big sports clinics here five and six days a week um, and just immersed in, in that environment. But after finishing uni and uh, establishing a practice and um, marrying and having small kids, Sports physio is actually really hard to do as as a mum and business owner and employer and all the juggling. There's a lot of um, travel that's involved, a lot of weekend time that's involved. And I I had a bit of a think, how do I want to diversify better what I'm doing? I was also working quite long hours and I was aware of some other physios whose hands hadn't quite lasted the distance um, (laughs) in doing the manual work and trouble with their thumbs and things. And whilst I didn't have trouble yet, you know, (laughs) it has a way of accumulating. So um, particularly, I think for for quite a lot of therapists, having having children does change your perspective and Mm. and that need to do it better, have have more help available. Um, I had suffered a fair bit of pelvic girdle pain in my pregnancies. Uh, so that sacroiliac joint and pubic symphysis joint soreness and the, the limping and um, then my business partner also had quite a lot of trouble with with her pregnancy and pain. And so we were just 
nutting out how to how to do that better, which then moved into the looking more at the the pelvic floor and that that inter- more internal musculature of the pelvis rather than just concentrating on the external musculature, you know, around the hip and around the low back and how all of that feeds in and just a desire to help women better than what we were able to find at the yeah. time, yeah. which is which is over 15 years ago. My, my children are 17 and 18 now. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Big babies. Oh, thank yeah. you for sharing that. I love hearing how people arrived at their journey and, you know, what informed the decision. And, and mm. well, well done to you for carving out a path that was going to work for you and your family and your clients. Yeah, yeah, and it was it, there just wasn't a lot available. There were a few women's health physios here in Adelaide um, that were doing really good things, but there wasn't a lot of that overlap with the musculoskeletal physiotherapy or, mm. or in particular that, that prep sports aspect of things. And so um, a lot of it was really trying to work it out, work mm. out what works best. Yeah. And yeah. now one of your great messages is all about starting a conversation and, you know, talking about pelvic empowerment. Mm-hmm. And so for the, for the therapists and clinicians and practi- practitioners who are listening, what role can they play? And they might not be physios or they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be exercise physiologists, chiropractors. What role can they play in helping more women tune in and listen to what their bodies are doing? It's, it's really interesting. Um, we know now that that premenopause is probably kicking in from about a decade before menopause. So most of most women that are around forty are going to be having some hormonal changes along the way, and um, rising levels of um, anxiety and depression are actually probably more related to her hormones than there being mm. than truly being a mental health condition and requiring therefore antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. It may well be that. Um, the, the sex hormones uh, are more of an, an issue, for example. But helping to, to normalise the fact that throughout our lives, so um, whether, whether we're talking about uh, adolescents, teenagers, um, younger adults, uh, the very athletic population, the recreational athletic population, those that have not done anything for a while and then in lockdown are suddenly exercising a lot more than they ever used to <laughs> yeah. uh, so that they do get outside. Um, all of those things, they, it, it has an, an impact on, on her body. And to, to pay attention, if something changes, raise it. Raise it with your trusted health professional, whomever that is. And, I mean, personal trainers uh, are often the person that has the, the most contact with yes. someone. So it is really important that they're very well armed to ask some questions, to be just a little, have a little bit of, a, of an awareness of, oh, that's not normal for you. That's not what you had before or that thing that you have, for instance, um, there's no such thing as LBL, okay, like bladder leakage um, invented by by one of the um, oh, companies. Marketing it is stress urinary incontinence. If you leak a little bit, that is incontinence. Um, it's very common. It's not normal. And it can be treated pretty straightforwardly in the majority of cases, um, just improving some of the coordination of those muscles um, she may be weak, she may actually be too strong. Um, we don't, you know, it, it can actually be, be both things. And so to reassure someone that if she does avoid the star jumps because she leaks, then, you know, it's, it's worth her knowing that there are pelvic health physios around that can help her with that. 
Um, but she can raise the conversation with their GP and make sure that there's no other reasons for it. But the, the pelvic health physio can be a really useful adjunct to the other work that she's she's doing mm. along the way. Yeah. Um, people with, with low back pain actually have a really high incidence of pelvic floor dysfunction of some sort. It could be a weakness. It could be a, an overactivity of those muscles. Um, and, and that applies to men and women. But there have been some studies that have actually asked the questions, I, you know, do you have any concerns with your bladder or bowel function? And um, they, have, they have found rates of getting up over 90% of people who have back pain also have some pelvic floor dysfunction. Interesting. Yeah, so it's much more widespread. It's We don't talk about it enough. It gets mm. all bundled up in, in shame and embarrassment and, mm. and not knowing um, who to talk to and sometimes just an acceptance, oh, that's just the way it is. I've had a baby or I'm 50 now or you know, what do you expect? It's just the way it is. Or yeah. um, my mum had a problem, my grandma had a problem, so it's just inevitable. Wow. And what do you say to that? I've had a baby, so that's just half of the course of being a mum. I is- would, would, would always point out that there's, it's worth investigating, it's worth assessing it so that we know exactly what's going on and if there are things you can do to make it better. And most women are pretty motivated. You, they don't yeah. like the idea that if it's like this now, if I'm 32 years old and I'm, I'm leaking, that how, mu- how much worse is it, is it going to be? Mm. Um, am, am I going to be the, the stinky old lady who ends up in the nursing home who's who's not managing. You know, continence is actually the number two reason for admission into a nursing home um, wow. just because they're not coping anymore, you know, not coping with the washing, not coping with looking after the skin. Yeah. Too hard for the family. Yeah. Mm. So anyone on the periphery of people around, so we, we've already touched on personal trainers, you know, people working in aged care, um, other trainers, et cetera, Anyone dealing with somebody with back pain? Back pain? Or hip pain, groin pain? You know, particularly if, if it's not getting, if they're not getting all the way better, you know, um, but if you, <clears throat> we know that if the muscles around the pelvis are not behaving properly, then often the muscles within the pelvis are not going to be behaving properly. Yes. And just like the muscles outside the pelvis, that can be a tight, grippy behaviour where things are not relaxed muscles are not relaxing properly and so they're not coordinating on and off mm. properly like they should. Um, or it may be that they're inhibited, that they're weak. Um, they can, of course, be damaged from, from childbirth or some other sort of trauma. But um, a lot of the time it can just be a, a, a bad pattern that has become established, yeah. a protective response of, of grippiness or, a, or, or an inhibition. And yep. so just requiring a little bit of, of coordination training, um, building awareness again, um, helping him or her, you know, because it, it does apply to men as well, connect to those pelvic floor muscles and, and be able to achieve a voluntary on and off pattern again and, and then build some automaticity back into it. Mm, wow. And so um, someone who's expressing that they've got a lot of pelvic pain and, but mm. without the continence. Mm-hmm experience what's your recommendation for um you know a personal trainer for example working with a lady who's got a lot of pelvic pain what would you say is good advice there well so particularly um endometriosis is one of the really common causes for for pelvic pain um and sometimes women with pcos or other conditions as well so if she does have a, a a gynae condition um and one that is characterized by by pain then Again, just to 
have that awareness that those muscles probably have been acting protectively, defensively, yeah. and that there is that tightening. And so it maybe, although she appears weak, it's probably more a coordination issue than a, a frank muscle weakness mm. and that she may actually need to work more on, on relaxation. But the best thing to do is to get it assessed and diagnosed um, and then the person who, who does that diagnosis and gives us some strategies can work with that with that trainer or other health professional to, to just give it a little bit more, more guidance as to how to best get that exercise program to work for her, yeah. particularly if she loves doing Pilates, for example. You know, it's not the, the first thing that we recommend for women with pelvic pain. Um, but if she does it well and if she knows that she needs to periodically stop and let go of everything and then feel it switch mm. on and feel it let go, for example. Mm. And she can participate in the class that she loves with the um, the teacher that she loves, you know, and have the coffee yeah. with her friends afterwards and, and all of those yeah. things, um, all about finding the way that she can do the things that she loves to do. Yes. And what's the alternative to that picture when you see people who aren't identifying with their pain? You know, what's that behaviour look like? What's their lifestyle um, changes that you commonly see presenting in clinic? Oh, they just end up um, so upset. They feel like they're missing out on so much. Yeah. They, um, they, they move into much more of an avoidance pattern because they haven't worked out how to get a bit of or how to grade back in. It becomes very all or, all or nothing. Right. Um, and I, we can end up seeing um, people who are avoiding all activity um, not even not even walking. Um, unfortunately, we can end up seeing people who are avoiding working or or studying um, because it's just too hard to yes. manage, uh, yes. whether it's pain or whether it's continence. Um, and just their their lives get smaller and smaller and smaller. Wow. Um, and because whenever they've tried something, it feels like that's they they failed in whatever way that the problem has become worse or they haven't managed. Uh, instead of trying to find how can we start to get some of that going, how do we pace it appropriately? Yeah. So there's um, an awful lot of overlap with any other sort of rehab, any other sort of rehab. It's about, you know, doing bite-sized amounts, you know, and gradually building it up, um, building in strategies to cope, to to pace along the way, whether it's taking breaks, um, uh stretches to do along mm. the way to, to help specific little exercises to do. Mm. It's, it's not that dissimilar to rehabbing an knee. Yeah, right. Okay. And there's it so much hope there that comes with that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, so what else can, so we've talked a lot about, you know, empowering yourself and, you know, going and starting that conversation in it. And you and I have talked separately as well about extreme pain is not normal. And I can imagine, yeah. I'm not a clinician, but I can imagine that with the embarrassment, particularly around the continence issue, there might be a masking, you know, take pain relief as opposed to the underlying. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And particularly for those women that do have um, a lot of pain uh, who may or may not have yet been diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, but unfortunately, I've even seen teenagers who are, who are on opioid medication. Oh, wow. Um, which is just, it's, it's not a way to manage chronic, chronic pain, mm. um, unfortunately. And um, unfortunately, when you're on opioids, you will often then have bowel issues, constipation, which will tend to make any pain issue worse, particularly when we're talking about a pelvic, um, a pelvic pain. If mm. we've then got straining or, or damage to the anus uh, because of the constipated stools. 
we just have this vicious compounding <laughs> issue um, <laughs> building up. So um, that that whole body approach and um, really assessing both the the biological factors. And so we work very closely, obviously, with the medical team um, to help manage the hormonal side of things, um, the medication side of things, um, working with a psychologist to help more with the psychological factors. Um, mm-hmm. Pain catastrophization will often go hand in hand, um, yeah. you know, and central sensitization, central changes um, will usually be occurring when the pain has been there for more than, more than a couple of months. And yeah. for an awful lot of these pelvic pain conditions, that's exactly the case so i like to describe that we're all we're all goldilocks we all need what is just right you know not too little not too much um and it's so it's about working out where where there is too little and where there might be too much and and just trying to bring it back yeah the middle and and tori will um start to uh, sort of wrap up our conversation a little bit but i'm just thinking you know in terms of advice and guidance for someone who's working with a patient or client who feels that they've got an issue there but they mm. don't know how to raise the yeah. subject matter yeah what's some advice have you got some good questions that a PT or a trainer or anyone on the periphery of this could raise with that female client yeah yeah so um particularly useful at at intake at first meeting but also I guess if there has been if they do have a problem with their back their hip or their groin and if they report that they've got a back pain or that their hip's a bit a bit funny at the moment to just ask if there's any concerns about their bladder or bowel function, mm-hmm. um, any concerns with wee or poo, depending on how simple yeah. they want to say it. Yeah. Um, there is a there is a great website called Pelvic Floor First that has been put together by the Continence Foundation of Australia in conjunction with the fitness industry, and there are a couple of questionnaires on there, one for men and one for women, mm-hmm. that just gives them that op- just the nine questions about bladder or bowel function, which can be a useful this is just what we do for everyone <clears throat> um, to, to just raise the questions. Um, if, particularly if you've had somebody for a little while, I don't imagine that you'd be very comfortable a lot of the time asking on the first visit. Yes. But, um, it, again, if if somebody has pain, has back pain that they've been treated or if you're seeing movement dysfunction around the, the low back, the pelvis, um, the hip, to just ask if there is any concerns with sexual function. Mm-hmm. Is there any pain? For, for the blokes with, with pelvic pain, there will often be some concerns with erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But like I said, probably not at the first meeting would that yeah, one be raised. Easy. But um, as, you, as you have that established relationship and just to reassure them that this is something that it's a thing and not to be embarrassed um, and to, to hook in with your networks as, as a professional to make sure that you do have, um, that you do know a pelvic floor physio, somebody who does do women's and men's health locally that you can you can call or you can email and just um, ask for some more resources or, yeah, we, yeah. we talked about possibly even doing um, collaborative treatments where, yeah. where the, <clears throat> the normal treating physio, chiro, um, even the PT may, may be able to come in and and sit in on the physio appointment or correspond more freely with the with the pelvic floor physio to just know how do I best help this person and support this person there's often going to be a lot of changes that need to happen in their in their training regime or 
coordination patterns um, temporarily. But the idea is always to get them back to doing all the things. Absolutely. I love that idea of the, the mini team care arrangement that mm. either the, you know, the, the practitioner or the, even the patient has instigated to say, hey, can we all get together on a Zoom and talk about this That's right. and have a, plan, a, a co-joint plan? That's right. As a layperson, hands up, suggest it to your patients and clients. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that, that opportunity for, for a case conference, as it were. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so tell me... Um, I'm going to ask you two more questions, or three actually. Um, your vision for pelvic empowerment. Yeah. I. And, mm, oh, sorry, sorry. I was going to tell you what all three were. Oh, no, <laughs> no I'll just do that one first. <laughs> okay. Number one, pelvic empowerment. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to in terms of pelvic, my vision for pelvic empowerment is for everybody to, to feel comfortable to raise any concerns that they have with their treating professionals and for their treating professionals to feel really comfortable mm. to um, refer on and to, to know how to direct that person to the help that they need. Um, there have been times where somebody says, oh, do you have any pain with, with sex? And the patient has said yes. And so they've been straight away referred to the women's health physio, but it turns out it was actually getting into position was a problem and it was a hip pain oh, ooh, problem okay. <laughs> that was causing pain with sex. It wasn't actually a pelvic floor dis dysfunction. Oh. Um, so to explore a little, you know, to not be too scared of the questions and to, um, if, if you do have that, that comfortable relationship, to explore it a little bit. In what way do you mean it's painful with, with sex, yes. for example, but that we can actually talk about wee, poo and sex much more comfortably. It, they are a very normal part of life. They are critically, you know, we and poo in particular, critically important life functions. Absolutely. Um, sex, uh, we consider to be an, an ADL, an activity of daily living. Yes. Not quite daily maybe, but you know, <laughs> nonetheless, it's a, it's a normal thing that you should be able to do comfortably. Yeah. Um, and so to include, include that as just these are normal behaviours and normal things and if you've got any problem that there is help available, I, I want for there to be thousands and thousands more pelvic health physios all around the country and in regional areas and <laughs> um, and for there to be adequate funding in, in public hospitals um, for enough support, that there could be um, Medicare funding for, for what we do. Uh, France have 12 visits with a pelvic health physio guaranteed after having a baby funded wow. by the government. Um, how different would most families' lives be? You know, it's not just the mum, it's the entire family. family. How much better will it be if mum could get that sorted out and can be exercising and doing all the things that keep her really well? Yes. Just as part of the course. Oh, just that's amazing. part of management. And in Australia, I, I can only imagine, you know, because I have these conversations that you're still explaining to people every day what a pelvic floor physio yeah, yeah. Oh, the number of people that come in and say, "Oh, you know, I brought my gear so that I can get some exercises." Um, oh dear, no. <laughs> you know, and then having to explain, "Oh, it's going to look a bit like a gynae exam." You know, yep. <laughs> but sure. we do explain very much, and obviously they don't need to do anything on the first visit other than get information if that's what they want. You know, if they are a bit scared of it um, or intimidated by it, confronted mm. by it. But um, yeah, so many people said, "I never knew this was a thing," and. It's been a thing for, for over 30 years, um, but too many, I mean, the, too many of the general public don't know, too many mm. um, doctors don't know, 
um, as well. So, yeah. We keep having these conversations, keep having until, these conversations. Yes, until more There's people know. That more and more and better knowledge, but we need more and more and better and better exactly. <laughs> awareness. Um, we just don't have the same uh, type of advertising budget or reach that, you know, the, the number of people that, that know that LBL, yeah. that like bladder leakage thing and, you know, those ads are so effective um, from the pad companies and I just wish they always said on there, pelvic health physio can help you. May help you. May, may be able to help. Oh, certainly help you. Not, yeah. not need quite so many pads. Mm. Wow. Well, oh, that would be none. Is there anything else I should have asked you or that you would like me to have asked you? Such a big topic. It is. Oh, look, it's such a big topic and I can talk for, <laughs> for days <Talk> it <laughs> across it all. Um, I think the really big thing is to is if everybody can do their bit to mm. normalise the conversations Yes. So this is an important part of your health and your well-being. And when you have problems with this, it does tend to affect every part of your life. Yeah. Um, it affects your mental health. It affects your social health and well-being, um, as well as it potentially becoming a bigger physical health problem if it's meaning that you're not exercising, for example. Hmm. And, and we know that exercise is, is critical for health. So the more we can normalise the fact that if we have any problem yes. with our pelvic behaviour, pelvic function, yeah. that there is help available and that mm. you don't need to be embarrassed. It's not embarrassing. It's not disgusting. It's, you know, it's not horrible. It just we're, human, <laughs> we're human beings, aren't we? We are human beings and this is all really normal. And yeah. I, uh, I'm so, so gratified every single day by people mm. trusting me with their yep. stories um, and allowing me to help them. Wow. And I just... I get such a kick out of, out of helping these men, women and children with yes. problems and, oh. and helping them feel normal, uh, giving them their power back yeah, to do all the things that they want to do. So incredible. I love your passion, Tori. You, really, you, chose, the right, you chose the right field. I'm so <laughs> glad you made that decision. <laughs> now, you, you're available for these case conference type things or, or telehealth appointments, mentoring, guidance um, through Vital Core Physio. Yeah. Um, is there any other way that people can get in touch with you? They, they visit your website and have a look? Yeah, they can visit the website and have a look. They can email me at tori, T-O-R-Y, at vitalcore.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I'm happy to, to engage with, with conversations and yeah, we can look at doing, you know, providing telehealth services um, to get part of the way there. Um, obviously, can't do a proper assessment via telehealth, but we can we can get a, a fair portion of the way there or to work in conjunction with uh, somebody who is more local but perhaps is, doesn't have quite the same experience mm -hmm. along the way or to do that, that case conferencing and some of that troubleshooting if needed. Brilliant. Geography, no boundaries. <laughs> oh, it's... Yeah, it's been the upside of COVID, hasn't it? Isn't it? Just One thing, thinking the, the differently. Increased accessibility. Yeah, and that we've all had to get a whole lot more tech savvy. <laughs> no. Get our Zoom face on, wearing Absolutely. our outfits. <laughs> Tori, thank you so much. Enjoyed that conversation thoroughly. And um, yeah, just love the confidence and the empowerment message about, you know, just start that conversation with people. Don't avoid it. Yeah. You know, as a lay person, I'm only, you know, one, I would like someone to raise things. I think often 
some, you know, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but I, I wonder sometimes if people think clients have more knowledge than they do about their bodies. And I think sometimes we really just, we really need the information. Like we mm. really need that raised. And have you thought about this or did you know this or were you aware of this? That's right. Um, you know, be brave, have those conversations. So exactly, exactly. And just that recognition, it's, it's not normal. It might be common, but it's not normal and that there's things we can do to change it, to improve it. And that can be um, very, very minimally invasive, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tori, too good. That was too good. I'm sure you've had that your entire life. <laughs> My entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Megan. See you. Okay.